Okay, thanks very much. Uh, we're starting a new series called The Jesus Way. Uh, and it's really looking at um, what Jesus taught and what Jesus, how Jesus lived um, uh, as we look at the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be working our way through um, Matthew's Gospel and um, looking at a number of different examples of what Jesus taught and what Jesus said and seeing how we can pick that up for our lives and live by his example. So um, that's the plan and today uh, we're going to be unpacking a bit of that uh, because we, we believe that Jesus, uh, when he said he came to serve, uh, not to be served, but he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many, we want to learn from his example of service and we want to learn from his teaching, we want to seek to be challenged in that. So this is the first in the series today, uh, and it's, uh, it's the Jesus way, and it's who I am. We've been singing a lot about this uh, just now uh, in terms of our identity, and it's such an important issue for us today, not just in the church, uh, but as we, as we live in this world. Identity has become a really, really big thing. As I was thinking about this, one of the things that occurred to me when I was in sixth form, uh, I was given a, a task by a, a teacher in our school who was connected with the uh, IRFU, the Rugby Football Union, the Irish Rugby Football Union. <clears throat> I was asked to sell some tickets uh, at uh, Ravenhill, as it was known then. Uh, and I was given a badge uh, to get into the ground, uh, myself and a friend of mine uh, called Dave. <clears throat> and we, we got into the ground uh, to get these badges and turned up at the gate, showed the badge, got in, no problem, and that was free and it was great. It was a, a white badge and it said... IRFU official, and it had a red hand uh, on it as well. And uh, I thought this was great. I was wearing this badge. I felt pretty good about it. Uh, and I sold my tickets, and that was fine. But as I was leaving, I noticed uh, there was a guy who wanted to go onto the, the pitch, the, the, the rugby pitch. And as he walked up, the guy looked at the gate, uh, looked at him at the gate, and he just showed his official badge. And the guy, oh, sorry, opened the gate, and off he went. And that gave me an idea. Uh, there was no date on this IRFU official's badge. And um, the next two times I went to Ravenhill, I did pay to go in, let it be said, on the, on the um, internet. I did pay. Um, but when I got in, I thought, I must try this. And uh, uh, it was a school's cup final, I remember, and I hadn't a very good view. So I, I walked up the steps into the stand, and the guy went to stop me, and I showed the IRFU. And I got right up to the stand. Dave and I walked up to the top and then we thought, ah, oh, had enough of this. Came down halfway, honestly this is true, went up to the, um, the guy on the gate beside the pitch. He went to stop me. IRFU official. Oh. Off we went. Even though we were schoolboys, because of this badge, we would access all areas. Ulster were playing Wasps then, a few, Wasps is a rugby team for those who are not rugby orientated, uh, a, a few weeks later, and Dave and I went again, chanced her arm, got on, and it was televised. I was on rugby special, walking up and down the <laughs> touchline <laughs> as an IRFU official. And it struck me that in the first instance, I had the badge, I had the label, but I hadn't realized just what that opened up for me. I, I was living with the label, but I wasn't living with the freedom that that offered. And this is such a, a, a message in identity that so often we live with so much less than we could if we actually realized what this really means 
our identity in Christ. And that's the subject we're looking at today. It's very possible that we can live without the reality of what this actually means. So as we look at the story today, it's, it's about Jesus' baptism. But uh, the, 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 the Gospel of Matthew kind of leads up to this. Uh, Matthew presents Jesus as the, as the coming king. It's kind of for a Jewish uh, readership. Uh, and it presents him as the Messiah. And you can see the birth and the ancestry and the visit of the wise men and paying homage. And all of this as part of fulfillment of prophecy. And you see Jesus presented more and more again as this is the coming king. And then Along comes this guy, John the Baptist. He's the, he's the guy that prepares the way again. It was foretold in the Old Testament. And now this is the first revelation of Jesus, the first entry of Jesus into his public ministry is his baptism. It's kind of presented by Matthew as a kind of commissioning of Jesus. So here we're looking at the baptism of Jesus uh, in the context of the Jesus way. And we're going to look at it at, at three questions uh, as we look at the baptism. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why did the Father speak? Because we've heard of this story before, most of us. And what does this mean for me? And all of these are answered with the word identity. All of these are related to our identity, as we'll hopefully see. So here we are in the Judean desert, uh, near, near the Jordan River. Um, John the Baptist is there. He's, he's this character who I, I, I'm fascinated by. Uh, his, his clothes are made of camel skin. He's got this leather belt. Uh, I imagine there wasn't dry cleaners around and so it was probably pretty rough looking. I don't think his beard would have been trimmed. His hair wouldn't have been trimmed. He, he, he would have, he would have eaten at Locusts and wild, uh, sorry, yes, locusts and wild honey, and and bear grills would have looked at him and thought, my goodness, you're tough. This guy, I just picture the honey falling from his beard and a locust bouncing off his shoulder, and he was passionate about his message, and he called uh, the right, he called the, the 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 religious people, he called them out. He was radical. He was a wild character, and he feared no man. And he told them they were a brood of vipers. This sort of picture of a snake of satanic origin, hypocrites. He wasn't afraid of them. They're deceitful, he said. And yet he looked at the other people and he said, be prepared. I'm preparing the way for someone that's coming. You need to bear fruit. The axe is ready to cut down the tree. I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. And he preached this radical message of repentance. The nation of Israel, he was saying, is too arrogant. You think Jewishness is going to save you? It's not. And so the common people, the tax collectors, even the soldiers were told, they said, what, what do we need to do? And he told them, you know, you gotta, you gotta, if you're too chinic, share with someone who doesn't have any. Uh, if you're cheating someone, stop cheating. And so they came and they repented and they said, uh, we, we, we accept that we have fallen. And as a sign of that, he baptized them. And this was really dramatic because Jews didn't get baptized. People who wanted to become Jews got baptized. The, the, the kind of pagans, the Gentiles, they got baptized to be cleansed to become Jews. But we're, we don't need baptized. We're Jews, they would have thought. And so these people, this baptism was really significant, saying, I'm repenting of my way. Do not say to yourselves, John the Baptist said, we have Abraham as our father. That's not good enough. 
And so, in preparing for the coming king, uh, Jewishness was not what was required. So we're told in, in, jo- in Matthew chapter 3, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And now into this scene comes Jesus. The one they were being baptized for, the one they were being prepared for, he suddenly comes. And we pick it up in, in Matthew, if you've got a Bible in front of you, Matthew chapter 3. We're only a few verses we're looking at today. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And this is what it says. We'll pick up the first verse. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. This was really confusing for John. This was the one he knew, and they were being prepared for. What would this look like? But, but you don't need to be baptized. You're the one that we're being baptized for. You don't need to be baptized, surely. You don't need to repent. This, this whole symbol was a symbol of repentance. And so John had the question uh, that we're going to answer today. Why do you need to be baptized? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? And the response Jesus gives is really significant. Verse 15, he says this. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. You see, Jesus wanted to fulfill all righteousness. And how was he fulfilling all righteousness? I I think there are a number of things you could say about why Jesus was baptized. Uh, And one reason alone would have been a declaration to his father to say, I know what's in front of me and I'm submitting to your will, Father. Because Jesus knew who he was He was familiar with the Old Testament prophecies. He was familiar with Isaiah 53 that said, The righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. When he, later on in his ministry, he told people, Destroy this temple, talking about his body, and I will rise it again in three days. He recognized that baptism was a symbol of what was happening. And there was a part of this was in obedience to the Father, saying, I know your will, and I'm submitting to it. But it was more than that. It was more than that, I believe, in submitting to to the Father's will. Because what Jesus was doing, as he looked around and he saw all of these people uh, around the banks, all of these people who were coming transgressors, as the Bible might call them, but repentant, he was identifying with them. Jesus needed to be baptized to identify with us. He knew that Isaiah 53 also said this, The promised one was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus wanted to be numbered with them. And it reminds me of, 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 as I was thinking about this, I uh, I remember years ago having the the opportunity of, I might have told you this before, of of having a tour of of a football ground, Liverpool football ground. And as the the guy, we were with a bunch of students from Lisburn, uh, and, and the guy was explaining to us about all the different parts of the ground. And one of the places, there were the director's boxes up there. And you could see in the director's boxes, Adidas or Microsoft or all of these corporate boxes. And these cost about 25 grand at the time for a season. And that allowed you and seven friends to get in, have a champagne reception, lunch, and meet the players after the pitch. This was, you know, the, 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 the big noises were able to get access to this, and they had to pay for it. 
One of the Liverpool fans, he won the pools. And he won over £140,000. And he used it. He was married as well. And he used it for five years to get a box for five years, which was most of that 140000 Now, the few Liverpool fans here are going, what a, what a guy. And the rest of us are going, are you serious? But anyway, he turned up on the first day. And him and seven other Scousers were there. And they were in their kits. I'm doing this for some reason. They were in their kits. And, 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 and the, the guys at the door said, excuse me, you can't come in. Why not? We've got our, got our ticket here. Oh, no, 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 no. This is jacket and tie only. But, 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 but we, we didn't know that. There's no way we're going. There's no, this is there's a disgrace. I won the pools. Anyway, they said, let's not make a fuss. They got him a wee jacket, and uh, they got a few other jackets. They, they, they found him somewhere, and they got in. And that was fine. Week two, him and seven mates came along, and they were wearing jackets, shirts, and ties. And the guy said, come on ahead in. And they had their champagne reception. End of the box, first thing they did was they ripped off the jacket, ripped off the shirts, and underneath was the Liverpool top. And all the fans were cheering. And the suits didn't know what to do. And they thought, we're going to have to do something here. So they actually made an exception for this guy. And in that five seasons, he was the only in that box were the only ones that were allowed to turn up without a suit, and they turned up every week with their Liverpool tops. The fans loved them. Why? Because he wasn't a suit. He was identifying with them. They're going, he's one of us. He's one of us. Look at him, look at him. Yay. And it meant that after five years, he could come back down again and join them. (laughs) Jesus was identifying with the transgressors, the prophecy says to us. In being baptized, this was a very humbling thing for Jesus to do, and he identified with us. And that was one of the reasons why he needed to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. And so we pick it up in verse 16, uh, chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Or landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we looked at the question, Why did Jesus have to be baptized? The next question I said we'd look at is, Why did the Father speak? What actually happened? We're told the heavens opened up and the Spirit descended like a dove. What did that look like? I actually, I don't know. And different people will speculate different things. I don't know what that looked like, but you read of other situations where the Bible talks about the heavens being opened. One of them was Stephen being stoned, and he looked up and he said he saw the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. That was comfort to him. Somehow to Jesus, seeing the heavens open, and I guarantee he saw it, he knew that the Father was with him. And then the Spirit descended like a dove. And in John's Gospel, we read in the same story, it's recorded in all four Gospels from different perspectives. We see that John records this as saying, as in John the Baptist, uh, that God said to him, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one. He saw the dove descending on Jesus. Others saw the Spirit descending on Jesus in the form of a dove. 
And it's interesting, when a Jewish person saw a dove, they wouldn't think what you and I think. They would be familiar with the dove in the context of sacrifice because the dove was, the, was, was what the commoner brought for the sacrifice. The rich person, they would bring the, the bullock and the kind of middle class, the grace fellowship person, they would bring the middle, the, 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 um, the lamb. But the commoner, like me, would bring the dove and they, the dove was a very common sin offering that almost everybody brought. Here was the one who would bear the sin for the commonest, the lowest, the poorest, the humblest, identifying as the Father spoke. And the issue with the sacrifices to God as you read through the, New, the Old Testament is they had to be perfect without blemish. And so a voice from heaven came confirming and the Father spoke. Every religious Jew would have recognized the words as a description of the Messiah from Psalm chapter 2. This is my son. You are my son. They would have known what that meant. And so why did the Father speak? In the same way that Jesus identified with me, the Father identified his son. It was a divine confirmation this is an acceptable sacrifice. I'm well pleased. I accept him. And Matthew kind of records this, as I say, as a commissioning of Jesus, uh, an announcing uh, of, the, of the Holy Spirit's anointing on his ministry. So first of all, Jesus identifies with others through the baptism, and then the Father identifies with Jesus as his Son. And so what does this mean for you and me? That's the third question we said we'd answer. I believe it means this. It means my identity is in him because the father accepted what he brought, what he said. I, I, I'm submitting to your will, father. 2 Corinthians 5, you'll know this verse says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew what was in front of him. And God knew what was in front of him. And what was going to happen was that God was going to make Jesus, who had no sin, be sin for us so that we might become righteous. Our identity suddenly changes. Your life, Colossians says, is now hidden with Christ in God. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Give you insight into what happens to our house in the evenings. Generally speaking, you know, when, when I'm not out or Bethel's not out at a meeting, there's a, there's a, we watch some TV maybe in the evenings before we head to bed. And if I went to get something from the fridge, Bethel might say, do, do you really need that? Do you know what I mean? Do you really need that? And, and you know, I sort of, I kind of know that she's going to say that, and so I tend to not do it. However, some evenings Bethel will head up to read her book. This is all true. And I've got about a half-hour window. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the news is over, and I think, hmm, you know what? Just comfort. Uh, and so, uh, not long ago, Bethel doesn't know this, uh, I, I was rummaging in the freezer and came across a white magnum. The perfect food for 10 o'clock at night <laughs> for health and strength. 
And I thought, have we never had it? Well, you know, you know what happens next. And so when the stick was left, the magnum, all its cholesterol, all its fat, all its sugar was in me. It was there. And I came up to the bedroom and all Bethel saw was the finely honed athlete that you see in front of you. Until now, she didn't know about the magnum because the magnum was hidden in me. She saw me. She didn't see the bad cholesterol, hopefully. She saw me. (sighs) Not a really good example, sure is not. My identity is in Jesus. When God sees Jesus, I'm hidden in him. And that's massive. What does it mean that my identity is in him? This whole subject of identity is huge in our culture right now. And I I read a wee bit around it uh, as I was preparing for today. And I'm not preparing uh, or or pretending to be an expert in this field. But what is identity? As I was reading, what's it about? Identity seems to be, amongst a number of things, a couple of things that are associated with identity. One is the thing that is me, the core me, the thing that, that goes through all of my life. I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a parent, I'm a, I'm a neighbor, I'm a friend, I'm an employee. What's the thing that, that goes through all those things, the core me? That's one part of it, this self. And then there's the worth part. What is the thing that makes me feel significant in myself? What is the, what is the sense of value that I get? And the the really interesting thing is that apparently every culture has this narrative, has this story, has this powerful presentation about what identity is. And we don't realize it, but we're absorbing this all the time. And if you look around it and you start to become aware of it, you start to see it. So, for example, in the Eastern cultures, uh, you know, family is a big part of identity. My place as a, as, as a husband, my place as a son, uh, my f- place as a grandson, that is really a, an important part of my identity. Uh, I get value from fulfilling my family's reputation and expectation. Who I am in that group is most important. That's in the East. But here... It's very much become our identity is being true to ourself. Follow your heart. Find yourself. Disney is, is full of it. The mermaid, uh, you know, she, she doesn't sort of stick with the norm. She, 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 she breaks the, the mold. Frozen, remember that song? Let it go. Turn away. And slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. This is this whole thing about, about letting it go. Not conforming. And I'm not saying that one culture is better than the other. Uh, but, but, but it's very interesting to see how culture impacts what we think of ourselves and what we say. The West is really pushing an agenda that the highest good uh, is the individual's freedom, the self-definition, the self-expression. And you can see it in stories that are told, in songs that are sung, in box sets. Just look out for it. And I'm not saying that all of this is wrong. I'm just saying be aware that this is what our culture is saying to us. 
The primary social value in the West is tolerance of everyone else's right to be true to themselves. And anything like tradition or religion or a social tie uh, that restricts my individual freedom, that self-expression must be reshaped uh, or deconstructed or, or destroyed. And there are some problems with that. My true self is found within. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful uh, above all things. The fact is that we change. Uh, I was listening to Tim Keller in this, and he, I thought he said something very interesting. He said, when you're 15, you think you've got it. And when you're 20, you look back at the 15-year-old and you think, I was an idiot. And then when you're 25, you look back at the 20-year-old. <laughs> I was an idiot. And then when you're, when you're 35, you look back at the 25-year-old and think, you know what? I was an idiot. Maybe, maybe you don't think that. but I, I, I. So here's the thing. I'm an idiot. Uh, and it changes all the time. And I'm not saying that all of this is wrong. But what does the Bible say about my identity? The problem is, you see, we, we, we achieve worth and value by expressing this in our own culture. And the same we could be talking about in the Eastern culture as well. And you see it on Facebook that someone has discovered something about themselves. And I'm not saying this, this happens all the time, but there's a subtle thing about, you know, uh, that, that I, I'm looking for likes to give me worth. The, the, the me needs this, this worth. And, and I, I do it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it, it, it's so easy to fall into that. I don't do Facebook very well. Um, but it can become crushing. It can become a relentless pursuit of, 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 of needing to be found worthy. What does it mean that my identity is in Christ? The gospel is radically different, dramatically different. You see, my identity, according to the gospel, is received, not achieved. I'm going to say it again. My identity is received, it's not achieved. It's by grace. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are actually, I am actually, if you are in Christ, you are actually a child of almighty God. And Jesus valued me so much that he was prepared to identify with me and die for me. He gave value to me. And the problem that we have is that our culture is portraying something, whether we're in the East or the West or anywhere else, there is, a, there is something that we buy into. We even buy into it, in, and, and that culture affects us in our church life. And I'm not saying all of those things that people say out there are all wrong, but we buy into this culture subtly. What we have to realize and fight back, because the culture is telling us by song, by media, uh, by story, that the truth will be found deep within yourself. We need to sing. We don't need to just hear it once, tick a box, say I've heard the truth. We need to absorb this and realize Christ died for me. God loves me completely. And I am incredibly valuable. You don't say that in Northern Ireland too much, but I'm incredibly valuable because I'm a child of God. So knowing my identity, singing about it, meditating on it, reading it, getting it into our imagination is vital to really get this at our core so that it fires us up. So that when I'm going about, trying to look for my wee book, my wee, my wee um, 
card. And I'm getting five people. That's not so as I can get some badge of honor in here. It's as a response to saying, Lord, I, I know what my identity is in Christ. It's been received. I don't need to achieve anything. I'm doing this in response to your love for me. So what difference does it make knowing my identity is in him? Just as I finish, three things to say. I know that I have no need to judge or compare myself to others for affirmation. I know that I don't need to judge others or compare myself for affirmation. I don't need to look and say, they're better than me at that, or they're actually worse than me at that. Because my value is found in Christ. It's unquestioned. It can't be anymore. Amy was saying to me, sorry, Amy, picking on you, but she, she said to me the other day, in fun, she, 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 she relayed this to me, that she, she's just started this new job, and, and, and the place where she's working, <coughs> they have this the Facebook profile, and uh, Amy was in the other day, and uh, this, this person posted on the Facebook, you know, and the, 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 the boss is trying to, you know, encourage all this, you know, the, to get the profile up, to get, you know, the reputation up. And the person posted, had a great experience today in, in, the, in, the, in the clinic. Emma was amazing. Emma? It was me, it was Amy. And this person posted for the world to see that Emma is amazing. Now she was laughing about it, I promise. But we don't have to be looking for affirmation. I want it to be me. Because our identity is in Christ. Our value is sorted, is unquestioned. We don't need to find it in others. We are chosen by God, created uniquely to glorify him as we are. He accepts us as we are. So we don't need to judge or compare each other. Secondly, we don't need to compete after the desires that the world suggests that we should go after. We won't be crushed by our failures and weaknesses because our identity is in Christ. So when we try to get something we fail and, we, and we're not as good at something else, my identity is in Christ. I don't need that affirmation. Equally, we won't fall into pride because it's received. It's nothing I have done. And there's a beautiful balance in that. It avoids pride and it avoids um, brokenness because our identity is in Christ and it's received. So we don't need to compete with after the desires that we would normally compete after. What else? My identity is in him. We have peace. Our identity is ultimately secure. We don't fear death because he's gone through it and come out the other side. We don't live in condemnation because we have received grace. That's it. It's done. It's finished. Anything we do is a response to that love. It's not earning that love. And if we face hard times, we know he's been through it and he's walking with us. In short, knowing my identity is in him brings freedom. Like that badge, it opens up a whole avenue if we can get this into our imagination. As we look at the example of Jesus, if we live out who we are, when I pray for those in my front line, it's out of who I am. It comes from a heart that knows that there's nothing I can do that'll make him love me more or less. Our value comes from the creator God. That's amazing. 
we need to sing about it. We were singing, we're blessed, we're called, we're healed, we're whole, we're saved in Jesus' name, we're highly favored, we're filled with your power. We were singing about what Calvary has bought for us now and forever. And you could hear the response in our hearts as we sang that, the volume increased. Because it's true. We need to sing about it. We need to believe it. We need to meditate on it. We need to talk about it. We need to, because what we're watching is infiltrating our thinking and it's a lie. The truth is found in the fact that Jesus Christ, my identity is in him. So the Jesus way starts with knowing who I am. My value is received, not achieved. Because Jesus identified with me. The Father identified the Son. And so I am identified in Christ. My identity is in Christ. That is who I am. Much easier said than digested. But let's let it burn in our hearts that we live out of a heart of appreciation and not trying to earn anything.